Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober. The podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi, and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. And today I'm really delighted to welcome um, an old friend in the sober world. Um, It's broadcaster, author and founder of the Sober Club and coach, the lovely Janie Lee Gray. So hi, Janie. How are you doing? Hi, I'm really good, thanks. And I'm getting younger, by the way. (laughs) I heard this when you said old old friend. Yeah, but I always say, this is the way to get younger, ditch the booze. 100%. (laughs) We get younger by the day, don't we? (laughs) That's my story. I'm sticking to it. I've got a birthday coming up, but I'm definitely going backwards. (laughs) And um, yes, it's lovely to speak to you. We've had Jamie on before, so we're going to shake things up a bit um, and talk about some stuff today that we think is sort of really relevant right now. I mean, it's still lockdown. When we're recording this, it's still lockdown in the UK. Um, You know, we're absolutely fed up to the back teeth of it. And it seems like such a great time to get Janie on to talk about all of her experience because she's hugely experienced in the kind of the well-being world and sober world. Um, And she has a new book out called Happy, Healthy, Sober, Ditch the Booze and Take Control of Your Life. And I just think it's so important (laughs) to have these kind of books out now and this kind of resource and help for people because we know that there's been a massive sort of spike hasn't there during the pandemic of people drinking so yeah I think there really has and there's been a lot of people who've just you know drunk way too much um and and started drinking earlier and all of that and 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 I get it completely the stress the loneliness just everything together I I completely understand I I hate to think what would have happened if I'd have still been drinking I really do it definitely wouldn't have been pretty Um, but I think in addition to those people there are also people who had stopped drinking Um, you know I found it with a few sober club members they had stopped they were doing really well and then lockdown or various pressures just tipped them back again and then they were back down that booze elevator um, so I think you know it, it you know as you say it it really is time and some people have said to me well how can I do this in lockdown when everything is so hard? Um, and I, well, I would say there's never, never a right time. Do it straight away. <laughs> That's always the best time. But in fact, lockdown is a bit easier because you haven't got as many social pressures. So if you can take it upon yourself to really accept that you're doing this for you, um, take this time to put some self-care in place because you might be able to put a little bit less pressure on yourself, um, you know, with not having to trip out to bars and clubs or whatever the whole time so you can just hold up Mm. hopefully yeah I think you're right you know there is there's some elements are much easier and some elements are much harder aren't they yeah Um, and definitely I know that you know obviously there's sort of the mental health and there's the job market and all kinds of things that we can't control which can kind of exacerbate anxiety and therefore triggers and drinking but there is that side of the, the socializing and I know that a lot of people a lot of people on in our community are that's the one thing that is now starting to worry people actually is well yeah. what you know how do I cope when I come out of lockdown yeah so um but I'd really love to talk to you about you know the the idea really behind your book you know why you wrote it and what what was your what's your dream for your book yeah I mean I, I wrote the book because um you know I'd been obviously doing I gave I did a TEDx talk, Sobriety Rocks, and I'd been doing quite a lot of stuff um, 
well, obviously I have a podcast and you guys have been on, so thank you. Um, so I suppose I was amassing a lot of different sort of um, uh, concepts and different ideas and, and, and starting to piece together what I thought would be um, a guide for people. And, and what I wanted to do more than anything with the book was bring the health angle in. Now, I know that uh, yes. being sober is, you know, it, it equates to, to being healthier. I get that completely. But I've, I've seen a lot of people who will focus on, on stopping drinking um, and they'll use willpower and they'll grit their teeth and they'll have all that determination. You, you see it for dry January. Um, and they won't really reap any of the benefits. They won't really focus on the positives. Um, and they don't really make any other changes. And then they get a little bit surprised when later down the line, it tips up again. And the wine which says, you know, well, come on, you've got this now, you can just have one. Um, that's certainly where I was at a few years ago, um, sort of off and on this kind of booze roller coaster. So I really wanted to cement the idea that actually, for starters, I don't call it giving up, you know, I call it ditching the booze because we're not giving anything up, you know, we're only gaining. But I wanted to kind of cement this idea that this is your choice. And if you choose this, what you're really choosing is to upscale every area of your life, not all at once, of course, but over time. Um, it's this holistic picture. It's this everything gets better thing, right? which I'm seeing all the time yeah. in the sober club and it's magical you you must see it with your community it's magical so the book really is for someone who is brand new and sober curious because there, there's a whole section on on the strategies you can use to get through those early weeks but then the the rest of the book is a massive lifestyle book about every angle of optimum health and well-being that you can think of so even if you're six years sober there'll be something in the book that you perhaps hadn't thought of yet and, and it may not be relevant to you right now but at, but at some point hopefully it will because you know there's the mindset piece the nutrition the the meditation there's NLP there's you know every I mean literally everything is in there because that's always been my thing I find it really hard to niche because <laughs> because I'm just queen of that holistic living picture yeah. <laughs> I can't just do the one thing I have yeah. to throw everything yeah, yeah. in which has been my downfall I'm told but you know hey ho <laughs> But I love that. And I think you're so right. And I, and you know, and I've seen it in my own life. And like you say, in, um, in our community, 100% people that, and it's this amazing, you know, because when you stop drinking, you're so scared, aren't you, that everything's going to get narrow. And it's like stopping drinking, that no to that means kind of yes to, like you said, like a small, it's like a smorgasbord of discovery. Like, there is so much, and I love finding new things to pull in. I'm like, everything's got something to do with sobriety. Yeah. Oh, I'll go to that meditation. Oh, that, that, oh, I love that bit of Buddhism. That totally fits with sobriety. And I was, I love how, you know, it, it's so wide. And because once you, like you say, once you link it to, to your well being, um, once you link it to well-being and that conversation about choice, it opens up. Yeah, it really it? does. I mean, I've seen people who it's always quite interesting when well, we might have a, like a Zoom online Zoom session in the sober club and there'll be someone who's there on day two or day three. And sometimes I wish I'd ask permission to video it, you know, and also with my clients, sometimes I wish I'd ask their permission if I could just take a quick video, even if just for my own amusement, really, because then, uh, you know, month, two months, three months down the line, I mean, literally they are like different people. 
I, yeah. And I can't even explain it. They may not have had a haircut. They may not be looking physically different, but they look completely different. It's something about their energy and their aura. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. And that's before you even start on the confidence and the stuff they're talking about yeah. and their level of energy and just, it, it, it really is just unbelievable. And, and this is the stuff I didn't mm. ever know, you see. I didn't know this, you know. And I think when, if people are still stuck yeah. in that spiral of drinking, you, you hear people talk about, oh, your, things will be better when you, when you ditch the booze. But I think when you're back there, the only bit you can imagine is that you might be able to sleep a bit better or maybe you'll drop a bit of weight. They're, they're the kind of things we focus on and we sort of think, oh, well, if I can just get through this, maybe mm. those things will be a little bit better. Yeah. Or we focus just on the pain point and we say, well, I've got to do this because if I don't, you know, I will whatever and, and, and end up. Um, you know, having yet more arguments with, you know, in my relationships or with my kids or whatever. So we look at the pain point, or we ca or we have this glimpse of this tiny little bit of of this possibility that yeah. our skin might be a little bit clearer. And and yes, all those things will happen. Of course, they will. But but that's just a tiny little fraction of what's to come. Everything yeah. changes because you change, and you start actually. You know, the big thing, of course, is that you start to like yourself a bit or a lot over time yeah. which most people who drink don't let's, <laughs> yeah. let's face it yeah. you know we don't like ourselves very much when we're drinking yeah. understandably um and when you do start to like yourself a little bit you can find that you know that joy and I'm, me I'm meant to be promoting my book but you know Catherine Grace <laughs> unexpected joy of being sober you know that's the best title ever because <laughs> it is that unexpected joy and mm. her, her second her third book the unexpected joy of the ordinary that's the other amazing thing Sober club members mm. will say to me, you know, I did a little happy dance this morning because I had eggs for breakfast or or some such. And they'll say, is this normal? And, well, it certainly wasn't your normal before. No, it really wasn't. But now yeah. it can be. Yeah. Now it can be. Now we actually can find actual joy. I don't know how to ever use that word other than in church till I got sober. <laughs> but you can find actual joy now <laughs> in little stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, 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 100%. And, you know, I, uh, my, my journey was very much through positive psychology and the science of happiness. Um, and then got properly, like you said, it was like, okay, I just, I love that thirst for knowledge, you know, and, um, and the neuroscience and what's happening in the brain, like, um, in terms of the neural pathways rewiring and actually, you just becoming more sensitive. So actually, yeah, what you think you're giving up this kind of faux joy for this much more sensitized experience of your life, like that you can plug into. Who knew that that you could get such joy from sitting in the garden with a cup of tea with a bit of sun on your face at 11 in the morning? It's like, oh my gosh, I'm being bathed in. <laughs> yeah. You know, and how hideous that would have been before with the sunglasses on, like with a cup of coffee with the shakes. I mean, you know, awful. I know. I, I had one woman, yeah. in, uh, one client who said that she'd, uh, I was trying to, she was only a couple of weeks in. And, you know, it's quite interesting when we don't always notice um, the benefits. Mm. So we think that if we feel a bit better, it's just coincidence, right? <laughs> Which is, <laughs> surely is not. Um, but she told me that she had, uh, it was when we had the snow, um, mm. uh, you know, a while back, and she told me that she'd sort of um, jumped up and, 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 you know, put her boots on over her PJs and, and gone running out into the, into the snow with her, with her child. 
And I said, you know, and she said she sort of ended up, they all ended up in a heap sort of laughing in the snow. And I said, is that what, how you normally would be? And she said, you have to be joking. I would, there's no way he would have been out there on his own. Wow, what a thing. And that's huge. Yeah. Isn't that huge? That you is. can actually get up and go and run and enjoy it and, and laugh and have fun with your kids. But, you know, most yeah. of us don't do that on a Sunday morning when we're hungover. The kids would have been out there on their own. No. And so important, like you said, you know, you ask that great kind of reflective question and then, you know, that, that you know, let's point, let's name, let's turn towards that and let's acknowledge that and make it really conscious. I did that. Yeah. Like, exactly. that's what I did. And well, it's building up amazing. those associations, isn't it? The, we need those associations yeah. for, when, for when the wine which calls. We need to be able to quickly yeah. go back to those memories Small Recall things, yeah, yeah, maybe small things, but nevertheless, lovely things that were, you know, when we were alcohol free, because otherwise we just have a whole bank of memories that tell us, oh, if you if you're feeling a little bit under the weather, here's the answer. <laughs> Amazing, isn't yeah. it? How drink is allegedly the answer to everything, you know, whether you want to relax or be buoyed up, feel confident or feel, or feel chilled. Amazingly, it's meant to do it all. <laughs> of course, it doesn't do any of them. So tell us a bit about that. You know, you mentioned a few experts and strategies in the book. Mm, yeah, tell, tell us about those. Well, I've got a kind of um, uh, not exactly a course, but a, but sort of chapters that work through the first few um, weeks or months. So you can do like a thirty day challenge in inverted commas. But but really, I'm sort of going through various elements, and I ca I call that the same as my online course. I call it get the buzz without the booze. So it's really looking at all the ways you can. Um, make those early weeks easier for yourself, because I do think that's important. Um, most people who've heard my story know that I didn't do that. I kind of forgot everything I knew. And consequence, consequently, I think I made it harder than I needed to for myself. You know, I now know with the training I've done that that actually eating really well makes a huge difference, a massive difference, because it helps balance the brain chemistry. So, you know, there are some pieces like that, some very practical advice. Obviously, gathering your sober toolkit is really important, getting that connection. So there's a whole stuff, you know, a whole chapter, well, several chapters around that, and looking at the psychology and what's really going on. Cravings, of course, we go into in great detail, and the lovely William Porter has written... Um, a couple of sections for me. So so we get that sort of solid um, academic base, if you like, because there's me being all fluffy and positive and then there's William just being super factual, <laughs> which is great. So we have that. Yeah. And then, and then yeah. as we move into the sort of um, the, the big lifestyle section of the book, I thought that, you know, obviously I share a lot of my own experiences and knowledge because I, you know, I have been queen of all this stuff for years. It still makes me laugh when I look back at you know, I've written five books on holistic living. I've been running a, a website. I've been, you know, I've been steeped in, you know, in natural health and well-being for as long as I can flipping well remember. And yet I was stepping around this elephant in the room <laughs> that was booze. I mean, it's just laughable. Um, anyway, but but obviously I have had all those years of experience. So so I do share my knowledge and my experience. But I, I thought, well, rather than it just being me kind of talking at you, um, you can read one of my other lifestyle books, you know, for that. But but um, it, I thought it would be just great to just invite real top experts to get their views and to get their knowledge. Um, I've trained as a NLP practitioner, but I thought, well, again, rather than me write my experience, I can share a bit about how I work with clients. But better still to get a master practitioner trainer to um, to write that piece. So mm. so that's what I've done. Similarly on EFT, you know, it's another um, 
therapy that I that I work with and and again I thought I'd get a master to write that and then we've got people um like Dr Gemma Newman the plant power doctor who's written a, a piece and uh, uh Eric, Professor Eric Sigmund has written a piece on um uh stuff to do with kids and our you know how children um relate with alcohol um and then there's um I mean, there's masses on nutrition, absolutely masses, and and sleep and mm. the menopause. That was interesting when I did the, the section on the menopause because I got a doctor, Dr. Hannah Short, to write a piece. I also asked um, Lucy Blenkinsop, who you might know, um, who's another coach. Menopause is her thing. and there's So there's a few different pieces, and then I've included my own experience. Um, and when the editor got the book, um, she kind of, you know, how they send your book back with a load of changes. You guys must have had this. It's exhausting, exhausting. Um, <laughs> she, <laughs> she sent it back, and she said, "I don't understand. You've got you've got um, two different opinions here about around menopause. I think it was something to do with HRT. You've got two different opinions here. You know, this one person says this, and then you're talking about this, and then this another person says this. So which one do you want to keep?" And I said, "All of them." It's really important to have different opinions <laughs> and then women can go off and do their own research. Um, so that, you know, that was, that was the, that was the beauty of the book really. I mean, I'm now reading my own book cause I'm rereading these sections that other people have written that are fantastic mm. um, on the mindset front. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's amazing. I've got some wonderful meditations. I've got people writing about mindfulness, meditation, how to manage stress, um, I've also got a forward by Denise Welch, which was great. I was really chuffed that she did that. I interviewed Denise for my podcast. And um, I just love the fact that she's, you know, so, so much in the public eye, so well known and so open about her depression um, and, and about the link between depression and alcohol. It's one of the things I bang on about a lot. Um, and particularly, you know, the link between anxiety and, and, and alcohol. Sorry, that was a mad long answer. <laughs> to your question no no it was great and really lovely getting a really good sense of you know it just sounds like a really great 360 resource um and I love you know we always talk, talk about and I really think this in in the sober world especially and the and with women I think you know collaboration not not competition and this sort of sharing of of knowledge um and I and so I love I love the idea of of the experts um, and giving, you know, because it's it's just sharing knowledge, right? Mm. It's yeah, it really is it's and sharing tools and it and and I and I love you know the idea of so when I did the science of happiness, the whole kind of idea of reciprocity um, shifted for me. Uh, I'd realised I'd been carrying around this kind of Machiavellian. I hadn't known it, but the, it, you know, just from studying literature and stuff like that as uh, younger, that we were, all, you know, survival of the fittest, and we were all bastards really underneath and all the rest of it. Mm. And when I started doing the science of happiness and looking at evolutionary theory and Kristin Neff and you know self compassion, yeah, um, there was a lot about that. It shifted to the fact that we are pro social, yeah, and that we need each other. And basically, like, 
I I get a lot out of the work I do in the sober community. It's not altruistic. Well, it no, is exactly. Yeah, I feel the same. I'm you, you're me. We're each other, and we all share, don't we? So. Absolutely. No, you're, you're. It's so true. And I think I had that idea years ago as well. I'm sure I did actually. I'm sure that was what was drummed into me. You know, sort of look after yourself. You know, that's all that matters. Although the irony is, of course, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't looking after myself at all. Um, and and I, I wrote yeah. a blog post about this years and years ago because with my work at Radio Two. Um, we had a, a, a YouTuber come in and this was right at the beginning. Do you remember years ago when YouTubers first started to become like mega famous? Um, yeah. And it all started with vloggers. Some, yeah, yeah, exactly. Vloggers. And it all started with some kid called um, Charlie is so cool. Like, <laughs> you probably don't remember that. Amazing. I had kids who were really yeah. into this kid. And he was like one of the first YouTubers who made mega money, like millions. Um he ended up as a kind of science geek, which was really fascinating. Anyway, so he kicked off this whole YouTube thing. And so we interviewed various, you know, all the big, you know, YouTubers, you kind of um, Zoellas and all of that lot. Um, and then we had this one YouTuber, who, this one woman, I can't even remember her name, which is embarrassing. But anyway, she wasn't as well known as the others, but she was a friend of Zoellas. And we interviewed her because I think she had some book out. And, and one of the questions that we asked her was, um, you know, what's it like then when you guys sort of meet up? You know, there must be like a massive competition. And she just said, oh, no, no, definitely not. We're all really good friends because all ships rise in high tide. And I thought, wow, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. So I wrote this this blog post called What What Vloggers Taught Me About, about Compassion. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's absolutely true. And, and, you're, and you're right. I get just as much from... Um, you know, um, hosting the sober club as, as 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 they get because, and again, that's the thing that that runs through the kind of work I do. Um, I I don't really only want to do that convincing people to give up bit. Um, right. You know that that encouraging to ditch the booze bit. Of course, that's important because I want people to catch sight of a better life. But what I really want to do is be part of their journey while they upscale everything. What's the next layer to unravel? You know, so we do have members who are on day one and members who are year six seven yeah yeah and it's lovely is that that you know the we create lives that are so full so full and so resourced that we just don't have room for the booze yeah and that narrative has just shifted so massively you know certainly since I've been on the sober journey you know this last eight years um uh, you know, really, really, for me, it sort of blew wide open, I suppose, with Soberistas. That was my, that was my opportunity. That's, I call them the mothership. Because yeah, that was a little bit ahead of my time. I wasn't quite ready for, for, for mm. them when I did come across it. Um, How did you? I can't remember what you said before. What did you? Oh, you said you did it on your own, didn't you? And that's I, I, kind of well, I, yeah, I sort of did. I, yeah. I, my my story is that I read Claire Pooley's book. I was given Claire oh, yeah. Pooley's book because we were interviewing her. Um, and so interestingly enough, Claire kind of held my hand. She was the only person I told, literally the only person I told, oh, yeah. which now I look back, yeah. it's just bonkers. Um, but, you know, on the one hand, it, it I, I was able to learn what not to do. And that's obviously now very useful because I can now see that I, I could have made it easier for myself. But on the other hand, in a way, I'm grateful for that experience because it shows me that despite not having the support, despite, um, 
everything, despite hiding it all, you know, I did get through it. So if it's possible to, mm. for me to get through it at a time when I was still going out to awards ceremonies and parties and goodness knows what, mm. I know it's possible. I absolutely know it's possible because I did it. Yeah. And I did it actually really without a fuss. Yeah. I can't say it was particularly pleasant. It wasn't. I was like a bear with a sore head for the first mm. few months. It was horrible. I was hugely chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> but I did do it. So I yeah. know it's possible. Mm. Yeah, and I think that sort of that that gives you so much confidence. But I think also as a practitioner, it it gives you such a lot of compassion as well because you know, you know, you know the struggles you know walk the walk um and and that sort of you know because at the bottom of it I guess is that shame and fear isn't it yeah of, absolutely that's that's there at the beginning of absolutely everybody's journey starts with shame and fear it does it really and, does it's bizarre know, really I was never no, I was never ashamed when I was drinking all the time maybe I ought to have been <laughs> The shame came in when I stopped. That's so true. But that's the <laughs> bloody irony of it, isn't it? Well, it's, it's because like, you... it's normative. Exactly. Isn't it? it's yeah. normative. But it's the fact that you finally have to look at it, don't you? Yeah. That's where yeah. that's where it comes in. When you can just constantly keep numbing out the feeling of, oh my God, there's twenty-five bottles in the recycling. What well, you know, when you just keep numbing it out, it's you're just on that spiral, um, on that kind of booze elevator. But you know, the good as as I, you know, constantly tell people those feelings you know they do they they do change over time and I think people just have to become self-love curious because it doesn't happen instantly yeah. you don't instantly get to um you know stop drinking and then the very next day you're able to practice all these beautiful affirmations and completely love yourself it doesn't work that way um but if you do if you're open to the possibility it cha it mm. can it changes everything and I've seen it time and time again it's magical to watch it is, yeah, and that it's you sort of cultivate the space. I, I like to think of it as almost like you take the booze out, and so you're left with a you're left with like I see it like my little patio, and I put the right things in to let the things grow, you know. And I cultivate with daily attention um, and the right amount of this and that, and it might tweak according to the seasons or the day or the weather, you know. Yeah. Um, and we cultivate this this beautiful well being, and I. I, I I love I love the sound of your book, um, and I love you know, and I so hear that 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 whole thing about you know being interested in in wellness, like so, you know, well well being, but yet having that disconnect and the booze booze on top, you know. Um, yeah, and it's a, I think it's, it's a lot really of common. It yeah. is really common, and also even in the spiritual kind of community. I mean, oh, that that used to freak me out really because you know when I think back, I was the one. You know, I was I was a Hay House author. I'm a Hay House author, and you know, I was I did, used to present Hay House Radio, and I used to interview so many gurus about mm. um, about about meditation and mindfulness. Of course, if you'd ever asked me whether I practiced any of that so don't be ridiculous it's not for me it's for, it's for everyone else you know I was, I was very busy telling everyone else that this was important um but I but there was a literally a disconnect I just I I thought it was perfectly fine that it wasn't for me I, I really mm. genuinely thought that that was okay I never never questioned it really hardly ever um and I certainly didn't link it to the fact that I was drinking but the, the but the the fascinating piece is that you know yes I was drinking but so are an awful lot of other people in that community. Yes. You know, many, many of them. I mean, if I see another one of those adverts for yoga with wine, oh Don't my get God. Me started. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, seriously. 
the way that alcohol is, you know, the marketing is just beyond I, clever. Yeah, I was like, is there nowhere bloody sacred? No. Can I not now go to a yoga class and yeah. not have that? I know, I it's thought, incredible. You know, I literally went to yoga to get away from it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, dear God, no, I know. And so what, um, because you mentioned a few things, you mentioned NLP and Mm. EFT. And I wondered if you could just explain how, yeah, how how those help with sobriety. Yeah, Um, well, I I think I've been using NLP in various forms in the coaching I've done for years. And of course, I do, uh, before I um, started doing the sobriety work, I've, I've been a kind of media coach for years I've been training people in sort of confidence and how they can get their message out there and all of that stuff and I've been using NLP techniques for a long time but I hadn't ever properly um done a proper training and 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 got my um actual uh you know um full practitioner certification so during lockdown I thought well you know I'm writing a book I may as well do that as well (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so so I did and and I'm, I'm I just can't tell you the difference it's made it's it's literally incredible NLP you know neuro-linguistic programming for anyone who doesn't know is um is is just incredible at helping well first of all it helps you make sense of your own um map of the world as it were what I mean is the way we all see things you know your own perspective we all have sort of ways we do things um, which come naturally to us. Now, some of those things may need to be challenged, but it's worth re- noticing what they are, you know. Um, and then, of course, we all have limiting beliefs, so many limiting beliefs. And um, that's just one aspect of NLP, but it's a very powerful one when it comes to helping people ditch the booze or or, or to just move on to what's next in their life. I, I, I quite often coach people who've been sober for a few years, but... Mm-hmm. They're ready to upscale now. It's what's next for me. Yes. You know, is there something else I want to uncover? Whether it's another behavior change they want to sort out, um, overeating or whatever it might be, or whether it, it's that they want to look forward to a new career, or, um, you know, a new a new path, confidence. So um, NLP is amazing for that because it can help you to really, really notice these limiting beliefs that you hadn't seen before and to resource you up with, um, you know, the, the stuff that you need. So I, I absolutely love it. I absolutely love working with NLP. And it was great to get um, Andy Coley and Joe Wilson did the chapter on the book. Um, uh, and, and they've written a great piece and, and actually given an example in the book as to exactly how this could work with someone who's over drinking, you know, drinking more than they want to. Yeah. Um, and then EFT, um, of course, stands for Emotional Freedom Technique. And I was trained in this years ago. Um, and, uh, and and again, I've been, I've been using a little bit of NLP, uh, EFT along along the way with my confidence work, but I I hadn't I hadn't felt brave enough to use the EFT um, for mm-hmm. sort of. Uh, past stuff or to release limiting beliefs or trauma um but now it's really come into its own i can really now i can really see how what an amazing quick technique it is it's it's where you tap on certain um pressure points of the body it's completely non-invasive and i mean when i first did nlp when i first did my training um i actually got the guy who is the master trainer to write the piece in the book he was the guy that trained me and I may have told this story before, but it, it, it's just funny because he invited me, this was years ago, to come and do his training course, his level one training course. 
um, as a journalist because he wanted me to review the course. And I, I, because I, kn I knew him personally, he lived local locally. I said, no, I'm, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to pass on it because I've had a little bit of experience of EFT and quite honestly, I think it's just not absolute nonsense. So I don't want to write anything bad about you because I, would, I wouldn't feel good about that. So I would rather review something that I know that I'm going to write something positive about. So thank you for the offer, but I won't take it on. And he, he wrote back and he said, I 100% want you to come then. And I'm <laughs> absolutely happy for you to write whatever you find. So please come. So, okay, well, uh, you know, all right, bring it on. And it and it was one of those things where I had a massively busy schedule, and this course was a three day course, the first part of it, or four day, whatever it was, and I literally had all my work cancelled about a week before for those four days. It was literally as though the universe was blocking I mean, out my diary. Yeah. It was the most bizarre <laughs> yeah. thing. Most bizarre thing. Anyway, to cut a very long story short, I went up there very, very skeptical about all of this, and they had to they had to choose someone in the group um, to do an, a demo with, and I was thinking, please don't choose me, please don't choose me, and because they didn't know who to choose, they just put straws in a box or whatever it was. Of course, it was mine. There's no <laughs> way that could have been planned because you know, just what? Uh, no, no way. Anyway, here I go, sit there. He says, think of something. Ma you know, massive from your childhood, something that's always stayed with you. It's always, you know, some kind of issue, perhaps from your childhood. Um, and he said, and if it's too painful, you don't even have to share it. So I thought, right, I'm going to really make you work. Um, because I did have something that's always been an issue for me, big issue, really big issue ever since my childhood, but I didn't want to share it. I absolutely did not want to say it out loud. So, okay. Anyways, within 20 minutes, um, it had gone. I couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. And everyone who was sort of sitting there just said, oh my God, you should have seen the way your face changed. Just like everything about you changed. It was just the freakiest thing. And then later in the day, I, I had to, uh, work with someone else, you know, um, and, um, and, and we, we, we paired, we teamed up and we only had a 20 minute practice with each other. And the woman I was working with, said that she had had um, an issue with food all her life and she couldn't eat with anyone else. And then I remembered she'd gone out at lunchtime and I thought she was just making a phone call. She just couldn't mm. eat with anyone else. She was about 48 or something and she'd never eaten with anyone else. Food was something she did to stay alive, but she couldn't eat with, uh, with another person or ha find any enjoyment in food. I thought, wow, oh, just fantastic. My very first ever <laughs> EFT. Hardcore, <laughs> you know, please, no pressure. Um, but you see, the power of EFT is just so incredible. And um, so, anyway, I used the various techniques, and we uncovered a few interesting, interesting things uh, just in that very short session. We all go back to the main room and to feedback, and then this woman says, "You know something? I'm gonna, I'm gonna join you all for tea." It's amazing. I mean, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it sounds really powerful. Because you, it, you, apparently you just file, don't you, differently? There's something about with the tapping. Is, it, is that the one where you, it basically allows your brain to file it, but without like re-traumatizing? Yeah, There's I mean, you don't need to go back to, mm. uh, the good thing is you, the same as with NLP, you don't need to go back to trauma and, and relive it. Um, yeah, because I think that can be incredibly harmful for a lot of people. Um, but 
but with EFT, what's interesting is you do you do state the negative. Now, of course, mm. for many of us, you know, if you've been uh, involved in sort of Hay House work and Louise Hay work for years, you you your th your thinking would be, well, I only state the positive. Yeah. You know, you, 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 when, when you I, when I, yeah, when I first went to, to this first session, I, I, I couldn't bring myself to say, you know, I feel anxious, I feel it, because my training was such that I meant to, no, I am now feeling great. You know, so you keep putting that affirmation back. And, and while affirmations are important, what EFT teaches you is that it's also really important to properly release them, those negative thoughts because mm. they're goddamn well in there. <laughs> Actually, you do need to release them. Um, and then and the actual tapping is, is you know, very relevant as well, tapping on the specific points. Um, but, yeah, it is, it, is, it is amazing how it works. It, it, of course it doesn't. I mean, none of these things take away what's happened to you. Of course they don't. Mm. But they can help um, diffuse the kind of emotional charge so, yes, that, so yes. that, you know, that, that memory that I had that felt, you know, almost made my heart race, even, you know, um, even though it was something that happened to me as a very young child, it made my heart rate, makes my heart pound, or it used yeah. to when I think about it. So, the, the, it, you know, anything that triggered that would come back instantly, just as powerful. Um, yeah. Now, I don't see it like that at all. It's not the most pleasant thing, obviously, but now it's yeah. just something, it's, it's completely diffused and I no longer have the same reaction. Yeah, um, so well, that it, makes sense. It, it, yeah. it, it's, ama it's amazing. And similarly with NLP, we're, we, we're able to reframe things. And again, I, I was very skeptical of NLP. I used to think, you know, before I trained in it, I used to think, oh, it's just completely flippant. It's like, oh, whatever's happening, reframe it. You know, everything's completely crap. I'll just say it isn't. No, it's, it's far more than that, far more in-depth than that. And I, I, I use it all the time now with clients. It, um, it, it's, it's really transformational. So, yeah, it was great to be able to have a proper um, expert explanation of those, of those um, therapeutic techniques in the book. And I love that, you know, because you don't know, like, you know, as we were talking about, we're going on these on our sober journeys and, you know, life is impactful, right? So I, I, I often think, you know, it's like um, Dawn Nicola, she recovers, always says we're, we're all recovering from something. Yeah. And if we weren't, we will be at some point um, because life is impactful and that's part of, that's the human experience, right? Yeah. Um, and we don't know what things will help. And so, you know, it could be something like tapping and something that's working on some kind of nervous system level, you know, that might be that piece in the puzzle for you. It could be talk therapy. It could be, I need more holidays. Like I need to get access the joy, the glitter. That might be what, what I'm crying out for. But we can, it, it just sounds like that again, you know, that being curious, that being curious about your own well-being and what makes you happy yeah. and what makes you well that it sounds like that's a kind yeah, of part of I think your book. I know? think that's and your, your approach. I think you can dip into it. That's the thing. You know, ev everyone won't want every single piece of the lifestyle section at once. <laughs> that might be overwhelming. I remember when I wrote my first book, you know, which is this absolutely jam-packed with stuff. I remember people writing to me saying, you know, you've bankrupted me. I've bought everything you recommended. <laughs> <laughs> Steady yeah. on me. 
take your time. <laughs> yeah. So, that, you know, there are lots and lots of resources and pieces in this book that people won't necessarily do all at once. There's some lovely pieces in there, like um, obviously there's lots on juicing, there's recipes for juicing, obviously mocktails and stuff as well. Um, but I've also got a whole piece on how to have a cacao ceremony. So we talk a lot about chocolate <laughs> and, um, oh, and how oh, to create your own ca cacao ceremony, which is really lovely. Yeah. That's brilliant. I love that. I've just got into matcha. I got, I, I'm doing this. I love the fact that they've called this so up my street. It's like tiny little tins. I have to give a shout out to Bird and Blend. They're a Brighton based. Oh, company. yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. Them. Oh, I, I know Bird and Blend. Yeah. yeah. Their teas are amazing, the aren't they? Match a challenge. Yeah. Oh, I love the okay, cool. challenge, right? So, my challenge is that I've got all these beautiful little tubs that look like lip balms, mm. which is like my inner, you know, well, my inner and outer sort of goddess <laughs> <laughs> is just clapping her hands at these yeah and I and I made one and I've got this beautiful teal colored cup yeah and I was trying to stop having coffee because I was just like okay this I was presenting a course a couple of weekends ago and I thought if I have a coffee I'm nervous as it is and I'm going to be yeah I'm, I'm just going to lose the plot basically and they've got one called the mermaid blend oh lovely anyway, I mixed it and I mixed up and I made a latte and it was exactly the same teal color as my mug oh wow how gorgeous and I just I know and it basically it was like the highlight of my day you know we we're going back to talking about the unexpected yeah, exactly. I was like oh my god totally lit me up I mean but that's um, real self-care isn't it that you know yes. to, to, just to treat yourself to things like this I was saying the other day I interviewed we have quite a lot of expert guests for the sober club and I actually had a guy talking about money money mindset um, because of course it's such a big thing for many of us you know we don't love ourselves enough we don't we we have a poor relationship with money in many cases um, and, I, and I was saying that I remembered that when I was drinking I would look at at nice teas, really nice, expensive teas, even like a, I don't know, pucker teas, turmeric gold. And I'd think, oh, that looks really nice. It's £4.50. It's a bit too much. <laughs> and then go straight around oh, the no. corner and spend eight quid on a bottle of wine. It's like, what is that even about? But, you know, we, know. That, that was our mindset. You know, and of course we should. Any money, we say, I always say to people, put, put the money in a glass jar, at least for the first few weeks. So you watch the physical cash mount up. It's super exciting. And then absolutely redistribute that money on, on, on actual treats, yeah. little self-care things that will yeah. just cheer you up, just little things, you know, and because and it's all that little mm. stuff that I never did for myself. Never did for myself. I'd do it for someone else. I'd do it for my kids. I'd buy my kids little unexpected gifts and, and I'd buy someone I love something nice. You know, it wouldn't have to be a birthday. I would, you know, absolutely yeah. pop and buy some, I don't know, some flowers or a plant or some nice tea or something for someone else. But no way would I have ever done that for myself. Of course not. Bizarre, isn't it? Bizarre. Yeah. I know. And that's why L'Oreal is so genius, isn't it, with their marketing campaign, like, because you're worth it. Because yeah. it's like, I wish L'Oreal hadn't got there first in the soap. We could have done that in the soap world. But um, it is, it is that, that feeling of, you know, I, I'm being kind to myself. I'm something. I'm worth something. Yeah. I'm even visible. Yeah. You know? I'm, and when you don't so feel like that, you, when, when, it, when you really aren't feeling that way, you have to do it even more. Mm. <laughs> that really is. Do, yeah. Fake 100%. it till you make it comes in. You know, you just have to. <laughs> go and do it anyway yeah. when you when you actually yeah. feel pretty bad about yourself go and do it anyway yeah yeah, yeah. that's right
Right, well, we're coming to the end. It's been so lovely to see lovely you, to chat to you. Yeah, We could guess for again. hours, couldn't we? <laughs> I know, I know. We totally could. So, I mean, so many tips of, of, you know, in there for people. But, you know, we always finish with a tip of the day and a reason to love sober. So, Gosh, if you would okay. be so kind. Yes, I should have prepped that, shouldn't I, really? Uh, <laughs> uh, I think my um, my tip of the day, it, it's it, everyone would have heard me say it, but I'll say it again keep the ritual, change the ingredients. So whatever stage you're at, but particularly if you're at the early stages and having a drink at a certain time is a thing for you, then don't try and stop that instantly because your little inner toddler will say, well, this is absolutely rubbish. You know, this is the time I like to have a drink with my partner or my family. And now because of this absolute misery, you know, all I can have is an orange juice you know, or, or I'm just going to have to go somewhere else while they have a lovely drink while they cook dinner. And and that is not very good because it makes us feel deprived. So keep the ritual, change the ingredients, have your ritual, absolutely have your drink, but make it an alcohol free one. And the choice is immense. Have a lovely glass and something alcohol free in it. So that's the top tip, um, which I think most people do anyway. But I do still meet people who say, I say to them, are you all prepped? And they'll go, well, you know, you know what? I'm good with a glass of water. Oh, right. You are at the moment, but you probably soon won't be. You'll probably be really fed up. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then reason to love sober. Oh, my goodness. Um, I could go on forever. Um, I, I think it comes back to um, the joy. It comes back to that. that uh, it, it, for me, I think it's that sense of, of being able to love yourself, being able to find out who you are and to be able to find joy in, in, in little things. Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, always, always a pleasure. Um, so if you're immediately concerned about your drinking, do um, just reach out, know that you're not alone. I know we say this every week and you'd be like, yeah, yeah, shut up, Kate. But, um, you know, really do it. So important, that connection community. So reach out on one of those sober forums, find out, you know, what your fit is and know that you're not alone. Um, we'll link everything to Janie's stuff that we've talked about, her book and her community as well. If you vibe, if you vibe with lovely Janie, you can find out about her and we'll put all that in the in the show notes and take care of yourself and we'll see you next week for more chat. <laughs>